Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry. I'm David Libby. David, I think you you do that too fast. Do I? Uh, yes. and I'm uh, anyway. I'm Josh. Yeah, yeah. And today we're here with uh, honestly one of my favorite people. I've I've followed her for a long time in her band, uh, Leonor Ortega Till. Thanks for being Hello. here. Hello. Hi. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah. Um, so you are the sax player of Five Iron, Five Iron Frenzy, um, one of my all-time favorite bands. We had we had Reese Roper on uh, last year sometime, and all of my friends made super fun of me because I gushed about Five Iron way too much. So I'm I'm gonna try to rein it in, but I I can't I can't promise anything. <laughs> yeah, that's that's okay. It's it's always fun to talk about the band. Good um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll I'll just I'll try and get it done up top here, and then we. Can- um, that's fine yeah. all, all i'll say is you you put out a new album uh like two weeks ago three weeks ago I don't know. something I mean, it's been it's been in the works for so long so yeah. yeah i think we released it a couple weeks ago it, it came first of all it was like a surprise drop a, a friend wrote me and i almost peed my pants like <laughs> i um and uh started listening right away the the intro to that album is like very few albums get me that hyped that fast. Um, mm-hmm. But the the first few bars of that first song um, are are so damn good, like so freaking good. Um, when when it when it gets loud and then the horns hit, it's it's amazing. So um, I'm glad you it's, like it. It's, <laughs> I I love the new album. I feel like it has. What's fun is like I asked recently on my Instagram. I was like, "What is your favorite song?" And I got almost every song. People said, <laughs> "Yeah, everyone has different vibes." Because wow. some people like the bangers, some people like the fast punk songs, some some people like the more nostalgic, um, sweet kind of songs. So it's all over the place, and that's a that's I think the mark of a good album is when mm. there's not just one or two main songs that people like, but it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah, I it's. It's your best work. Period. Full stop. Oh. Like it's it's so it's so good. And I I the did best it. parts in the album though are the saxophone parts. Let's yeah. be real. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Josh was Josh was open about this with Reese. He's not really a Five Iron fan. Um, That's okay. Uh, um, his his wife super is. Josh. Yeah, Reese said that <laughs> she played the tuba in high school. So Reese said, "Hey, when we're in Portland, like she can come oh. play with us." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. She didn't seem uh, um like like she'd want to do that, but I I still think she should. Um anyway, so uh tell us sort of about like how the how the band came together and um some of I know early on um, you, you had told me you had like, I don't know if you called it a pastor or like a spiritual leader for the band or whatever. Um, mm. like tell us, tell us some about that. Like, um, how the band came together and, and how you saw sort of the mission of the band. Well, in the beginning, I joined the band because I was watching a band called Exumator. I was a fan of this metal band called Exumator. I don't know if I'd say a fan, but I was definitely friends with them because my cousin Micah was in the band. And growing up in a small town, I grew up in a tiny little town. There weren't, 
I never knew of Christian music. I never grew up with Christian music. I think through the grapevine, I probably heard that there was Amy Grant or Carmen, but I didn't know. I didn't grow up in the Christian subculture. And so when I was around 15, 16, 17, I started going to church camp and I met people that were in Christian metal bands, the guys that were in Micah's band called Exhumator, which means exhume, you know, to take out of the grave. Jesus is the Exhumator. And so they would come to Greeley, Colorado and play. Um, there was like a sobriety, sobriety coffee shop um, that they would play and different kind of like, um, you know how youth groups back in the day had like the a t- detached from the church. They had like a cool hangout spot. Yeah. So they would play those kind of places. And Reese had really long hair. Keith had really long hair. Uh, Micah's brother was in the band and they were just nuts. And I would always go to those shows and just hang out. So when they mentioned that they were going to make a ska band, I was super interested because I played saxophone and they were like, you play saxophone. And I knew I wasn't good. Let's just be honest. I'm not a good <laughs> saxophone player. I wasn't then. Um, but I was like, yeah, I play saxophone. And that seemed to be the only criteria. So I was like, do you play saxophone? Yeah. Do you love the Lord? Yeah. You're in the band. You're in the band. Like that was it. It wasn't like a, yeah. are you good? <laughs> and so I was looking at colleges at that time in California, but the lure to be in this band and also checking out CCU, which was Colorado Christian University, um, seemed like a good idea. So the summer between graduation or after, right after graduation, I started driving up to band practice and they had a band house and they had a Bible study going there. And Reese and Keith would, um, lead the Bible study basically. And a lot of sometimes homeless people, sometimes people from the neighborhood uh, would come to the Bible study. And I got really involved in that. And to be honest, I didn't have a ton of church background, but I started to learn a lot about the Bible from the Bible study Mm. and from the way that these guys all took it seriously. I guess I want to say like they had theological books in their bedrooms. (laughs) Like, they were deep. They were brainiacs with the Lord. And I really was like a sponge for the first couple of years. Wow. Wow. And, um, yeah, I guess so. Um, like where did that then, uh, take you? You were, you were soaking it in. Um, like did that, um, did that like, um, spur you on to, to want to, um, uh, did that spur you on to any kind of life change or did it just, did you just like the, the Bible teaching and stuff? Um, well, part of it was the Bible study. And then part of it, you had asked earlier about the, um, pastor that scum had. So we started going to this church called Corona Presbyterian, old school, beautiful wood, hymnals Dennis had gone there and it's it was very you know Presbyterian and I could you know whenever I had gone to church it was Pentecostal Spanish Mexican Pentecostal sometimes Spanish sometimes English um so this was new for me you know you be staunch you have prayers of the people you have standing (laughs) sitting I loved it and Mm. that's where we met Mike Sayers who was the singles pastor at Corona Presbyterian And he's one of those guys that he's Greek, Greek American, big loving guy. He loved all of us. You know, sometimes how there's somebody that's just pours all their energy into your crew. Hmm. We had a crew. We, we went to coffee shops together. We went to shows together. We did life together. We were a ragtag crew. And Mike Sayers basically 
kind of became a shepherd of the crew. And so that's the crew that began Scum of the Earth in the year 2000. With Reese as one of the pastors, Brad, Micah, Andy, they were all on staff. Um, and so logically, I was on staff too. It's like, hey, we're starting a church. What can you do? And in the beginning, I didn't know what I could do. So I ran an art gallery at Scum of the Earth Church. Hmm. And I think Mike Sayers was one of those guys that you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what your calling is, but he's going to give you a job. And when you do that job, eventually you're going to figure out what your calling is. Hmm. And so through the years of working there, I actually became a licensed pastor and a uh, women's ministry director for probably 16 years. Wow. So yeah, life change. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. That's, that's awesome. First of all, scum of the earth church is the best name. Well, like, Reese, Reese had that idea and Mike didn't like it at first. And so Mike said, you know, the typical Christian answer, let's pray about it. Yeah. Right. Which means I don't like it, <laughs> but everybody else liked it. And it really did. I mean, honestly, even to this day, like yesterday was scum of the earth's birthday. And unfortunately yeah. I have dropped the ball and don't remember how many years. Okay. What's the math? If it started in 2000, I guess it's what, 20 years old, 21. 21. Yeah. 21. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it's so it can going and it it's can drink going. now. <laughs> yeah, somebody <laughs> can drink now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and and so I just find that so fascinating. The idea that um, you, I feel like in Christian circles, a lot of times you're asked to like pray and have God give you your calling. But but for Mike, and I, I think it was really astute of him to just sort of get you involved in stuff mm. and have you find your calling out of that. Like, um, that, that seems like a way, um, mm. a way better way to do it. I, can, I guess. Yeah, I agree. It's like, we want to do this thing. We have a big list of the things we want to accomplish that are fun. And then there's a very beautiful organic step into a role and see what fits. And that's kind of been my, honestly, that's been my trajectory in my life. Like even from joining the band Mm. to going to college to eventually quitting college and then going to a different college and studying sociology. I don't have a plan. I still don't have a plan. I'm not good at plans, (laughs) but I'm really good at saying yes to whatever's right in front of me. Mm. And then out of that kind of comes, oh, you're good at this. Like, I never know, or you enjoy it. What do, what do you enjoy? I've Have you heard the metaphor? It's kind of cheesy, but have you ever heard the metaphor about God's will and the playground? I don't think so. No, no. neither of you? No. Okay, so I love this. And uh, it's helpful for my life. It's the idea that God is your, your dad and he's a cool dad and he takes you to this crazy playground and you're a little kid and you see like a big play structure, merry-go-round, slide swings. And you look at your dad and you say, what do you want me to play on? Mm. And he says, I don't care. Have fun. I receive joy when I watch you play. Yeah. And your dad's like, well, there's some rules like don't jump out of the swings. Don't eat sand. (laughs) And those rules aren't there to be a bummer. Those rules are there to protect you from getting hurt or hurting others. But if you play, I'm so happy. And that's kind of how I've seen God's will in my life. Like there's never been a, you know, this is the path. It's like play on the playground, have some fun, dabble in this, dabble in that. You're, you're good. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, a couple of years ago, I was kind of wrestling with some kind of big life decisions and talking with my spiritual, uh, uh, 
well, my newfound spiritual director then, um, just about four years ago, he, just within 30 minutes, he's like, Josh, you've already made the decision. Like, you are already leaning one way. You know, like here, I'm thinking like, oh, God, what way do you want me to choose? <laughs> yeah. And he's able to, you know, point out, he's like, you've already chosen. And then I'll never, ever forget this. He said, proceed as if that's what God wants. Um, right. and, and so moving forward and sometimes, you know, like, oh, well, yep, that, that was wrong. You know, that didn't work out. Um, and we back up and try something different, you know, like it just becomes evident and obvious. Um, but instead of getting, yeah, getting so wrapped up and like, oh no, what do I go on the slide or do I go on the swing? I, I don't know. And God's saying, Sure. Yes. Yeah. Like, play. 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 You know, both right? are Shouldn't good options. Fun? Yeah. Um. So I. Yeah. That's that's good. Yeah. That's... I think that I think the work of a spiritual director is a lot of we have these thoughts and we have these aspirations and these dreams and these callings and even these fears and I look at it a lot as like big balls of yarn and every time I meet with someone who I consider a spiritual director whether they have that in their job description or just a dear friend. I feel like they unravel, they take yeah. the time to unravel the yarn yeah. mm. and kind of make a ball where you can knit or make sense of it, you know? Yeah. And I love those people because my ideas get so jumbled. Yeah. And I just need people at the end of the day to hand me these beautiful little balls and are like, here, mm. make a blanket out of this yarn. You had everything you needed. You're just yeah. a mess sometimes in your organization, which yeah. is usually the case with someone like me, right? Yeah. I love that you, you have everything you needed. Like mm-hmm. that... That is so true. And, you know, like so many people, I like what, what being made in the image of God, you know, like we have that intrinsically, like there's an intrinsic value. There's this, you know, in, we, God has already made us into, you know, who he wants us to be, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and so it's it is that inviting spiritual directors or mentors to be able to uh, make sense of that for us sometimes it's not you know putting new information or or new skills or traits um but rather like oh well what what do you have oh you play the saxophone perfect Um, (laughs) let's use that Um, right using what's already there instead of Mm -hmm. trying to fit into this new mold or yeah yeah um have you have you always had that sort of um, uh, mindset about like, well, I'll go down this path or um, or did you um, previously have a lot more anxiety about like making right decisions or making better or worse decisions in life? You probably just said like the worst words in my vocabulary and I don't like them and I don't like when people use them in I mean, it's something in me that just says, right, what is right, <laughs> better, what is better? Like, I don't, um, mm. even with a song, I really feel that so many things are subjective. I've worked with musicians who will sometimes say, well, what is the right part here? What is the right lyric? What is the right horn line? And I'm like, whatever, just pick one. There's no right. It's like a choose your own adventure. Good, better, best. Even with, and I love my husband, good, better, best, right? Like, there's not like one guy for me, like that's the one I picked. So I made that choice. So I that's the choice. It's not like God had one guy that I had to just zero in on. That's the right guy. It's like, if he loves the Lord play, right. Pick somebody. And then, you know, 
but I do feel, um, I, I, you know, this is kind of, again, one of those things that's like on everybody's mind these days is the Enneagram. Yeah. I don't like my Enneagram number. And it's not a fun it. one, especially as a woman. It's obnoxious, but it is what it is. And I keep taking the test thinking, oh, I'm going to come out the other one that, I, that I'm close to, my second one. That's me. I'm a number seven. I'm fun. I'm popular. I'm a good time. No, every time I'm an eight. They use words like <laughs> challenger. Challenger yeah. is supposed to mean like bitch, controller, <laughs> in a nice way. It's supposed to be like a nice way to say you're bossy, you're type A, you're driven, you're bossy. You give everyone homework. Like you always have a plan for everyone's life and are outspoken. And oh, you love confrontation. That's me. That's not what I chose. That's how God made me. And I would love it to be different. But when I'm working on my life and saying yes to things, I'm just, I'm driven. I'm outspoken. I have to work on a lot of my attributes because I am immediately confrontational and visceral. And then I use my brain later and go, oh, actually they were right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's hard, it's hard for me to adjust um, you know, society, especially with women, wants us to be yeah. soft-spoken, considerate, warm, um, good conversation skills, maybe even less bossy, less driven. Oftentimes I'm told you should probably take a back seat. Yeah. And it's not my MO personality-wise, and it's been very hard. Um, but there, there have been areas of my life that I've chosen to take a back seat because of relationship. It's better mm. for the relationship for me to take a back seat in certain areas, even though I know I'm capable or driven, but for the sake of the community. Wow. It, it, man, this, Lenore, like, it's like looking at the mirror with, so I'm an eight <laughs> wing seven also. Um, <gasps> We're so in common, dude. And it's Leonore but, because I'm confrontational. <laughs> Go on. Leonore. Um, <laughs> but okay. with that, like, it's, it, it's all I'm always really intrigued with uh, like with, with women who are eights because you're exactly right. Society says that is not for you. But as a man is an eight, we are put up on a pedestal like we are the 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 challenge. We're supposed to be the challenger. We're supposed right. to be, you know, the you know, the confrontational one We're we're mm -hmm. the leaders. Um, but be yeah, being. Being an eight as a woman, you're labeled as a bitch or being bossy or um, and that that's interesting to me, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me. It is? What, what what is that like? So you don't you said you don't like that you like you would rather be a seven than an eight. Um, Sometimes I would because, well, it took me a long time to be OK with being an eight because in five iron, sometimes I feel like in different areas you can be. More, more of one personality trait comes out. So in five iron, I'm definitely more of a seven. And that's, I tried to push myself, my eight qualities, and it doesn't work and it doesn't mm. fit. There's too many different personalities. There's too many talented people that can do other things. And sometimes it's better to hire outside management, like for booking shows, instead of having someone in the band do it. Like that's the whole reason you get a producer instead of just writing your own songs because it's close to your heart and you need an outside person to kind of, um, soften the blows of opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me to book shows, I was doing it for a while, but it's not the ideal for our situation. And I had to take a back seat in that and be okay and be humble and say, you work really re well with fans. They love you. You you do really well in interviews. You do really well with um, band mail. You can do a lot of things, but for the band, try to be a seven and not an eight. And that that took me some time because for a while I wanted to push my 
my, I don't know if you want to say abilities, but my energy and the mm. fact that I have more time than some of the other guys because of their careers. Mm-hmm. So when I had time, I was kind of twiddling my thumb, like I can make a lot of things happen, but mm. that doesn't mean it's necessarily the best for the group. And so I've had to learn and I'm still learning, still learning how to appreciate the roles that I can take on and be satisfied and then use my eight in other areas. So I do premarital counseling, which is great for an eight mm. marriage counseling, parental help, um, prison ministry. I do a lot of things that use my eight where I can, you know, have a good conversation with someone and hand them a list of homework. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that works. Or I can be the bad guy. I love playing bad cop, good cop with people. <laughs> you have other people. Make me the bad cop every time. I am so fine with that. My feelings are not hurt to tell someone how I believe they can grow and to walk alongside them to do that. Um, so there are areas that I get to use those muscles. But in the band, I've learned through you know trial and error. It's not going to be helpful. Yeah. Wow. That's that's so, so interesting to me. Um First of all, I I can't I can't get over that idea that you said um uh and I I hate to use this word, you know, as a guy, but um you you said uh women as eights tend to be seen as controlling bitches and but a a guy would be seen as a CEO and that <laughs> like that that just bumps me out hard. Um but I I really love um, the way you are framing that, and it it makes me um, think that having to pull back that piece of yourself in a in a bigger setting, like in an eight person band, um, is is less about just being a for the good of the group. It it sounded to me like that's actually become kind of a spiritual practice for you is learning where to. Um, where to use certain pieces of yourself in in life, and where to um, uh, where to use different pieces of yourself. Uh, I mean, would you? Would I, you I see never it that thought way? of that as a you know a spiritual growth thing, but I guess there is something to that because you know when I was new in the band, I remember being you know eighteen, and some of the guys would say, you know, uh, you could play that better, or we're not going to record that. You need to practice better, and you know, my face would turn red and I'd run upstairs in the band house and have tears, but not want to show them like, oh my gosh, I suck. Like (laughs) they think I suck and I'm not good. And I'm angry and I'm mad at them to a place where, yeah, in your forties, you know, how am I going to deal with criticism? How am I going to deal with, how can you be teachable? And it's not easy. It is not easy because there's so much ego involved and even my own absolutely my own and part of being an eight and part of my personality being a seven and an eight is i want accolades i want my name in lights i want and my other thing is part of my love language is words of affirmation i want i love going on weekends and people are saying oh your hair looks so cool oh you played awesome oh you're awesome let me have your autograph that makes me a better wife, my husband says, when I have these weekends in five iron and get puffed up and filled up. Because hmm. um, I need, I have an ego. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that's a total bad thing. That's just something the way I'm created. And so it's also hard and become a spiritual thing in my 40s to say, what is appropriate 
what do I like? What do I need? And how do I receive my identity from God if I'm not going to get these accolades from these people that I care about so much? If they're not saying thank you to every little minutia that I think I should be getting a texted thank you and kissy face all the time, if they're not giving me that, how can I recognize that there are people that appreciate me? You know, I don't need, sometimes I can get so fixated on, I want to thank you from that person who's not yeah. giving it to me. Yeah. When, you know, every as a pastor, everyone else is giving you thank yous, right? right. It's just, especially, and you guys understand this, working with um, the left out and the disenfranchised community, yeah. those people are not in a headspace where they're going to give you thank yous, even though those are the people that you spend 90% of your time working with, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. how can you receive the thank you from someone else and, and that be enough? Yeah. Um, how do you do that? If you're, um, you said you uh, work in prison ministry and I'm sure you get some thank you in terms of premarital counseling, but I'm sure you also kind of piss people off in that role a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine. I, yeah. Um, but especially in things like prison ministry, I don't, I'm guessing you don't receive a lot of um, positive feedback or positive reinforcement in those roles. Actually, we tell them not to. We, we okay. part of the conversation with, uh, and we call them residents, you know, just for some dignity. Sure. We tell the residents of the women's prison, um, this is about God. And, and we don't receive thank yous. We don't receive letters. We don't receive accolades. That's not, yeah, it's not, we're not mean, but it's just not part, it's not appropriate. Sure. So, so have you learned to, um, uh, find that, um, uh, that reinforcement or that feedback or, or become okay with not getting it if, um, you're not getting it in those kind of roles. Well, that's easy. Here I am on a podcast with two guys that, you know, that care about what I say. <laughs> Why is this happening? That's, I mean, you can't take this kind of stuff for granted. Yeah. Not every I mean, I, we had a meeting recently in Urban Sky, which is the ministry I'm in, and almost every pastor on the Zoom meeting said, how can I get asked to do podcasts? And I'm like putting my head down, like, <laughs> join a Scott punk band. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm asked to do podcasts. I have a list of about 30 I've done in the past year, like, or, mm. you know, <laughs> calendar year. I, I'm just very grateful that yeah. people mm. care about what I have to say. And it's nothing new from what my neighboring mm. pastor has to say. There's just a different avenue. And and sometimes I think, and this is nice to say mm. and good to say, I do believe as a Hispanic woman, there's part of me being the flavor of the month for the past few mm. years as far as diversity, but that's not a bad thing. I think it's been really cool. Some of the opportunities I've had because people are recognizing we have, you know, three white men pastors. We need to fill that spot with something else, mm -hmm. a different point of view. And that's been wonderful for me to be able to have a voice uh, the past probably five years where before it wasn't considered. Sure. Go, I, I'm going to go back a little bit and maybe kind of tag on that a little bit. Um, you had said in the band, going back to your, your eight Enneagram eight in the band, you're like, all right, this is for the sake of the band. I need to back off a little bit. Um, how a lot, a lot, <laughs> How much of that, like now in your, in your forties and a new kind of in, in, and, and being more, you know, maybe confident or, uh, assure of yourself, um, what, what are the things that 
that you can actually say, actually, they need to change. Like, where where's the the world? Because, like, let's be frank, how women are, how eight, Enneagram eight women are perceived and treated in the world is not appropriate. It's not right. And it's not, it's unfair to you. And so, like, what are ways that, you know, as two white men and as a, an eight man myself, like, what are ways that we can kind of change or can give you the, the spotlight and let female eights kind of shine? Um, I think two pieces. I think one is the way that it's um, expressed. One is the way it's said. One is the way that it's um, broached. Um, wouldn't it be cool instead of saying, don't do this or don't do things you're not asked to do? Wouldn't it be cool if someone said, we appreciate that. Are there a couple projects that we can give you the green light in? That makes me feel loved. If you say, okay, we want someone else to book the shows, but you're really good at maybe find a benevolence, something that the tour or the shows can benefit. Give me something to do with my mm. energy because for me, Five Iron matters way more than just the music. I think the music is rad, but for me, it's always been an avenue for hope, for messaging, for community, for changing the world. That's big. Mm. And if that's the reason I'm busting my butt to mm. be in this band, it has to be more than just the music and it's always been, but I need somewhere that I can feel needed, where I can put my energy, where I can feel success. And because so much of what we do as ministers, as pastors, as shepherds is subjective, you walk with someone for 20 years and then they turn their back on you and hate you. Mm -hmm. You need something that is concrete you need something that has the gold star that says did i do this pass or fail did i make it happen did i raise money did i make that happen so um i have to think about all those things and it'd be cool if like there would be a green light in certain areas and you and you were told not only do we want you to do this but you're good at this mm. do this do this for the sake of us because you can mm. and it's hard to have those conversations um because I tend to push myself into certain areas. And part of it is, yeah, I wanna be involved. And part of it is, I don't wanna say insecurity, but I'm not shy to try something. I constantly try lyrics for all, a lot of songs and Reese's are way better and that's cool. That doesn't bum me out at all to say his are better, but I'm still gonna try. Mm. I'm still gonna write tons of melody for tons of songs and he might pick two for the whole album, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna try. It's just my personality to insert myself. <laughs> yeah. What can two guys do? Um, yeah, communicate with women that are eights and say, give me 10 ideas and we'll pick a couple for you to do. That would be great and not upset the balance in the community. Mm. You can't do all eight. And we don't want you to do one. Even though you want to do that one, it doesn't fit well with us for you to do that one maybe. And that that sometimes can be hard. It was hard for me when I got mm. asked not to book shows for the band because I wasn't taking a cut. So when you have someone else book shows, they take a cut. Mm. And I was like, oh, they must love this because that's at least you know 10% of the money that I'm just equally getting paid like everyone else. But that doesn't mean it's a appropriate or right role. That doesn't mean I'm as good as I could. Doesn't mean I'm, I have to look at it inward and say, What's the trajectory of the band long-term? What kind of bands do we want opening? What kind of venues do we want? Blah, 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 blah. There's reasons. And even maybe part of the reason is we just don't want you to do that. 
<laughs> Can I be okay with that? Right. So, so what I'm hearing is like, is the green light is important. So you gotta have, you gotta have green lights, whether you have some red lights, that's fine. But like, you've gotta, you've gotta be given green lights. And so to, yeah, for, for those of absolutely. us, absolutely, absolutely yeah. that you're hearing, right. That's correct. We, um, I, ha we, I have a, a roommate who, um, a younger gal, and she's also an eight. Um, and so I've, you know, had conversations with her. She's a, a part of a nonprofit. And, you know, it, it, to be able to to give green light, I, I hate the word empowerment um, because you don't need to be empowered, you know? like I love it. I need it. I want to. <laughs> yes, um, I do. <laughs> but you're already, do. you're already powered. Like, you already have it. You just need, I think... Often you just need us to get out of the way. No, um, here's the thing. I need you. I need you. And by the you, I say the big you. Yeah. I need you to notice. I need you to appreciate. Mm. I need you mm. to encourage me in the giftings I've been yeah. given. And that's the green light. Part of the green light is not just go do this separate of us. Yeah. How can we encourage help you make this happen? Yeah. How can we? It's not the thank you. It's man. We couldn't have done this without you. What? And I know that sounds like, you know, it sounds like a big bud kissing and it's not meant to be. It's more of, we all have our giftings and it'd be cool to say, man, I lived my life and I was in a band for how many years and I was a saxophone player. That is never going to be my identity in five iron. That never will be. That is not what I'm here for. I love saxophone. Keith Green said, if God could find a different tool other than the piano, I would use it. And he does sometimes have things different for me than a saxophone, but the saxophone is the gateway drug to me reaching people and mm. talking about hope and Jesus and love. That mm. is my, you know, so wow. if, if I can be encouraged to be me, missional me, that would be cool. Mm. That's oh, great. that's so good. That's so good. Um, tell us a little bit about what it's i want to talk about urban sky in just a sec um but tell us a little bit about what what it was and is like to be a female in a um in like the ska punk movement because i've been to warp tour a bunch of times still even <laughs> not yeah. a lot of women on stage like right. that's just the fact um mm -hmm. what like, what was your experience? I guess I would say I'm really glad that we started in the 90s and not now because I never felt that I had to be eye candy. Mm. Like in the 90s, you could wear baggy jeans and extra large vision streetwear shirts and backwards baseball caps. And when you look at most of the pictures of me back in the day, it's never been like, there's all those guys and a girl. Like probably the only first time that I started looking like different than the guys was when we did the star trek thing because i had a dress oh that's right and makeup and go-go <laughs> boots it was like ohura i was supposed to be ohura from star trek so that was the first time i was like oh this is new and a little uncomfortable and out of my wheelhouse but yeah let's do this let's let's be a woman on stage but i think that there's a lot of pressure nowadays for mm. women to be women set apart visual mm. maybe as much as they are audio does that sure. make sense? Yeah. 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 Even um even like I I think of a um a band like Paramore, I like 
Haley Williams doesn't seem to give a crap what um, people think about her all that much, but um, she definitely kind of became like the visual for that whole band. So, yeah, I I guess I I see how that could be a thing. Um, it does. It probably helps that Five Iron is like weird as hell, and so like <laughs> three wing circus. You, We've been you called can, a three ring circus. You, you can you can get away with just um looking like whatever because um you're you're like there's so much that's, going on that's, Micah can be the sexy one Reese can be the sexy yeah one. that's your your front is to be weird um I I remember like the first time I ever saw you wow hall in Eugene um you you came out everyone cheers you you ripped into you can't handle this and right when the right when the beat hit re-spit water on everyone and i was yeah. like er, everyone screamed including me it was awful and i like in a band in a band like that like ain't no one looking for like a no, <laughs> like no, like a visual it doesn't even fit it doesn't I, fit that group even now i i do actually it's kind of been fun playing with mxpx because there's this different um i mean you asked about the ska punk scene and yeah playing with for me cookies and milk is punk and ska mm. you know you get a couple punk bands and you get a couple ska punk bands or ska bands they go so good nobody this sounds rude maybe but nobody wants to hear five ska bands in a night right everyone will agree my head out no (laughs) but when you mix punk and ska it's it's oh it's so good and so i love opening for them and they kind of have a caliber we'll use that word instead of just a visual they have a caliber of professionalism so it doesn't matter if you're goofy you are five iron we have this phrase too you are taking the stage so it doesn't matter if you're wearing what you wore that day. It's more of a presence. But I will be honest, now that I'm in my 40s, I'll put on makeup before the show or I'll consider what I'm wearing. I might change. Um, and it's more of taking the stage in a professionalism. It's never been for mm. me. Um, I don't want to overdo it. I'm part of a group. I, I'm visually part of the group. And in fact, this comes up to the fast feeling. Mm-hmm. Scott once said, I don't want to do videos where you're the main thing. And I was like, I don't want to do videos where I'm the main thing either. Like, we're not even going to do that. Like, that would feel weird. Even though I was a singer of The Fast Feeling, I never wanted to be the the face. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I Talk about The Fast Feeling. Like, how did that happen? I First of all, did you... Did you know that you could sing? Was that just a thing that I you... I can't sing. Try... It sounds great. I don't yeah. like. I'm sure. I, I'm sure if you're if you're concerned about your singing, I'm sure that there was some auto tune or something. But it sounds oh, yeah. awesome. Like it sounds really. I think I'm. Yeah, I'm sporting my. Uh-huh, there you are, dude. Uh-huh, you're wearing your yeah, shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. I, okay, I, I so. told you I won't gush a lot, but I am very excited that you're here. Um, to, like, how did? How did that happen? How did you start a new wave band and uh, become a become a singer? Awesome. It's an awesome story. I mean, it comes down to one day. But one day for me and about a couple years for Scott. Scott had been writing so many songs for Five Iron. So many, so many, so many. But life was happening and we hadn't gotten to all of them. And it was really hard as far as managing this Dropbox and this Dropbox and this part and that part. And 
the feedback he had gotten was on some of the songs, rad, not rad, rad, not rad, from Reese. <laughs> and when you write a song and you get rad, not rad, it's like, that's the first step. For, and honestly, some of those probably rads became songs on Until the Shakes Apart Now. I don't know the trajectory of every song because there's so many. Sure. Scott is like crazy when it comes to songwriting. He's amazing. Cra- like, he's, he's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And so he even said that. He's like, well... Well, let me, let me, I'll say this part, but it doesn't fit in the story yet. But he did say at one point, let's take the non-rad songs. And we, he even said, I can write more songs for Five Iron. I'm not worried about that. And I was like, you're so cocky, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Let's not worry. So I was sitting at home one day. And like I said, I often try to write melodies for Five Iron songs. And some of them have made it into songs like Cannonball, All That Is Good, Giants. I wrote a lot of those melodies. Mm. Um, so... And sometimes lyrics, but I use, usually just play around with melodies. So I was doing that and I was singing New Wavy. I was putting, I was, you know, playing what Scott had written and I just my no, my normal vocals, kind of Pat Benatar, kind of blondie, just my singing, my style, yeah. my influences and just singing, just like, take a break from the pressure, you know, just stuff like this. And I started voice memoing it to Scott and he, for whatever reason, was answering that day because he does a computer job and he was, he had time, I guess. So he was answering me immediately, which started getting me excited that day too. So I would send more, more, more. And by 5 PM that day, I think he was like, why don't you come over and put down vocals for some of these songs? And I was like, this is fun. And then within like (laughs) the next few weeks, we started, some of those were like fake lyrics that I was just, just having fun for five round songs. I knew they would would change them. But they stuck, like, if you want to get away, like these, and we started messing with some of those lyrics. And then I think Andy heard the project and was like, I want to be part of it. And that was awesome. And he actually had a lot to do with um, changing the lyrics. And so did Matt. Uh, Scott had been working with Matt Langston from 117. Yeah. And Scott said, would you be cool if we pulled in Matt? Because he's amazing musically and I love working with him. And I was like, please pull him in. And then I start getting nervous. Cause I'm like, this is a real thing. <laughs> and it started really happening. And so, yeah, I would go to Scott's, he had a studio and he would put auto tune and I would work my butt off. It was not easy to sing cause I'm not a singer and it was not easy to communicate because Scott had never produced a singer. So we had to find language as far as <laughs> no, can you do that cutesy voice? Oh, can you do the tough voice? Can you do the Latina voice? We started coming up with characters for the types of voices and vibes. That's how we had to do the the album because he'd be like, no, I don't like when you sing like that on this song, but you can sing like a cheerleader on this song and I want you to do softer on this, but I want you to do tougher on this. And I'm like, oh, you mean the cheerleader? Oh, you mean Blondie? Oh, you mean Pat Benatar? Oh, you mean Billy Idol? Like, what are we doing? Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, we figured it's, it out. It's an all new kind of music theory. <laughs> jo- it's Josh hard. has been it's hard. <laughs> Josh has been knocking himself about his singing a lot lately too, because he Josh, jo- you jo- can do it. Josh, <laughs> if I, was, I can do it. Well, Josh is leading. I can do it with auto tune. Yeah, he's same, he's same. leading our church uh, in worship right yeah, now, which is music, yeah. which is great. Except um, when it's when it's online only, that means uh, like you're just coming through the feed instead of uh, being in the room. And Josh. Yeah. My, my strength has always been the piano and I've always been able to hide behind the piano. And then I just play the melody when I sing. So like, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm playing that too, to kind of 
you know, sort of auto-tune my voice a little bit, but it requires a good engineer, I think. They could. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. And that's why we don't play live. Like people say, why don't you play live? There's a couple of reasons. One is I would really, and, and I thought about this. It was a crossroads. Scott said, we can, but you're going to have to dedicate yourself to really getting voice lessons, mm. to learning how to do a whole show. Like I'm not a singer. All, it's like learning a whole new instrument at, you know, at the time, I don't know, maybe I was 42 or so, 41. And it's like, you can, we could do this. I, and for Scott, he would have to rewrite all the songs because when you're recording, obviously you have way more instruments than you'll have live or you use a lot of tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Even that, even that we didn't have all the tracks for all of this because we were writing for recording, not writing for live. Mm. So he was like, we could do this. And that would take another year. And basically, I don't think he said it like this, but it was implied, or we can do another five iron album. Like we can't do everything. And I'm like, oh, scrap it. Like, I love the fast feeling. We made an amazing album, five iron album all the way. Yeah. Like, come on, let's do that. And I feel way better about putting all of our energy into that. Yeah. I, um, again, I, I love the new album. I love factions also. And if you ever, um, I I think there's something kind of cool in the fast feeling just sort of being like uh, a real side side project where, you know, you just you do it when it like if if an album comes to you and you're not doing anything like, yeah, let's 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 make another fast feeling or not. And that's fine. Like um I I kind of I kind of like the vibe of let's just sort of feel it out. Um, I I, I, I got I everything I neat. wanted out of that. That was yeah. that was a dream come true. There's yeah. songs and I love them and I love the vibe and I love the style and if people rock out to it, really cool. I'm so happy with it. The only thing I would like to do down the road would be um someday, I don't know how even just play the album in a tiny club and have a dance party like that because we never did an album release party. Um, uh, but like rent out a tiny club and get like you know, 300 people and some bubble machines and some confetti and everybody, you know, dress eighties and just dance to the album. That would be my dream. That'd be freaking rad. I know. Maybe, maybe for my 50th birthday party, (laughs) 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 something to look forward to. Oh, that'd be so good. That'd be so good. Um, so you leave scum of the earth, um, in like what, a few years ago, 2016, 2016. Um, uh, and, and start this new thing with urban sky. Like, um, what, what led you to that decision? Did it just feel like the right time? And, um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with urban sky. Right. So it's so funny the way I got hooked up with them. I knew I was going to leave scum of the earth and that was a shock to myself. I don't know if you've ever had something Mm. in your head where you're like, even would say out loud, I will be here till I retire. I am committed to this. This is my vibe. This, I love this. You can come back and I'll be like a decrepit old woman here. That was my Mm. conversation about scum. I was going nowhere, but it was weird. I remember, you know, I was running an art gallery. I was doing the director of women's ministry. I was preaching I was doing a lot of things. Things were good. My support was because I raised support to work at Scum of the Earth at 100%. It was doing good. You know, I was funded. People loved me. I was doing great. And all of a sudden, I just remember being like, you're turning 40 this year. Do you want to do something else? And I remember thinking, if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it. You're just going to coast into your old age doing the same thing, which isn't bad. But it felt like a good season to say, 
Scum needs new leadership and new ideas. You've been feeling a lot of, you know, as an eight, you've been an outspoken mm. leader at this church for a long time. Maybe it's time for some younger people to take over. And, and as also, an eight, you're probably not gonna not be that outspoken leader if you stay. Like, yes. like oh yeah, there's no way. Right. Or them look at me that way. Right. Then I also thought, I would love to do the church outside of church doors. Mm. That was the call. I didn't know how it looked. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I felt like my kids are getting older. I have energy. I have health. I want to do church outside of the physical church. And I remember sitting on the couch and I really, you know, there's moments where you say, does God talk to you? But it sometimes can be like an impression. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling, yeah, you're going to resign. You're going to quit scum. And I was like, oh, hell no. No, I'm not. <laughs> like having that conversation with God, like, why would I do that? <laughs> And then I was kind of praying and I was like, okay, if I still feel this way in the morning, I'll tell my husband, like, that'll be the first step. And thinking he's going to be like, what are you? No. So the next morning, still just like that same feeling, like you're going to quit scum, like not even scary. Hmm. And I remember having a walk with Steven. We have this walk behind our house. It's like a trail. And I'm like, I think I'm going to quit scum. And he's like, well, yeah, that's what I've been encouraging you to do for a long time. And I'm like, you have like, where have I been? He's like, there's so much more you want to do. (laughs) And I was so scared to tell him because I thought, you know, financially we were doing okay. And I just thought he'd be bummed out. Um, Okay. How Urban Sky came about. This is hilarious. Remember that guy I told you about Mike Sayers? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen my big fat Greek wedding. Mm -hmm. And they say how everything has to be the Greek man's idea. So I told him that I was quitting scum and he was in denial. I gave him three months. I said, in three months I'm leaving. And the whole time he was like an R&B song, like, baby, baby, come back. Like, <laughs> You're not leaving. You're not leaving. You can't leave. You've always said you'd be here. You're my right hand man. You're my workhorse. You know, you can't leave. No, he, no. he just wouldn't let you go. No, he tried every angle, every angle. Until he came up with the idea of me joining Urban Sky. <laughs> And this is the funniest part. He called me. Mike Sayers knows us. We're, you know, we're punk rockers. We don't get up before 10. Still as a mom, it's very rare. I've raised my kids this way. I get a call at 8 a.m. Mike Sayers, oh, it must be an emergency. And he goes, Leonore, have you ever thought of Urban Sky? I'm like, yeah, they're, they're like a publishing company. They produce curriculum, Christian curriculum. What do you mean thought of Urban Sky? He goes, no, they're a nonprofit now. And they're taking on faith entrepreneurs. And you could raise support and have a team in Denver. And you could still, you know, obviously you could raise support and you can create your own job description. And they'll have a board and a team that oversees you and helps you. And I thought, that is perfect, Mike. Give me the guy's number. He goes, oh, I already called him and gave him a recommendation. And you have an interview at one. (laughs) (laughs) you see he had to take credit for my next step or he wasn't going to let me go Mm. (laughs) and now mike sayers has left scum of the earth and is the director and my boss again of urban sky (laughs) so so really he didn't let you go he (laughs) where where leonore goes mike goes (laughs) I was telling him you should come. It was a few years. It was a few years between that. But I was like, Mike, please don't start your own ministry nonprofit. You have to get a PO box. You have to get a website. You have to get a board. You have to get 
insurance. <laughs> Urban Sky has everything you need. Just join our team. And it took mm. a long time of convincing because he wanted to make his own nonprofit. And I'm like, why? Mm. This mm -hmm. don't, you know, this system is all set up for us to succeed. Plus it has an amazing community aspect. Faith entrepreneurs. It's fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I really love um, when I, uh, when I originally looked at the the website like a year ago and I saw that the mission um, was like every person has a pastor and, and every I tribe has a priest. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I love that idea. Um, I, I, I like to say that I have two churches because we have St. John's church here, but then I have this whole other group of people that just sort of, I, I get cold calls every once in a while from people who are like um, either suicidal or like so depressed um, and going through some shit. And they're like, hey, I, I just need to talk to a pastor. And usually I, I think they expect me to start preaching at them. And I'm like, let's let's get coffee. And so mm -hmm. I've got this whole like group of people who've never set foot in our church. And I don't know that they ever will. I don't like, like church has scarred them something fierce, right. but, but like I'm their pastor outside and, Absolutely. and, yeah. and, and like, they don't, they don't give to our church and they're not on any like directory or anything and they're never going to be. Um, but I think there's something um, about a pastor that like even even your non-Christian folks need like yeah. um, and so I I I love that vision of everyone having a pastor, everyone having someone who's who's shepherding them through life, and so I I think that's really great. As as uh, yeah, a lot of what well. I do is called creating sacred spaces and mm. you know surprising mm -hmm. places i didn't mean for that to rhyme i was gonna say it and i was like please don't say it. it's gonna rhyme dude that's <laughs> a anyway. that's a that's a it wasn't meant that's to a sick bar right there that's like dr is, seuss is that for the next album <laughs> yeah no um i'll submit it it will get turned down um not rad i i really yeah not rad i really do feel that way though like the prison ministry mm is sacred, beautifully yeah. sacred. I mean, yeah. going in, I started going just once a month, then you get hooked and then you're going every week to the prayer and share meeting, which is like a devotional. Mm. And it's in the gymnasium and women come and they pour their hearts. There are women that have been in that prison for 10 years and have not missed a prayer meeting. Wow. But right now with COVID, we can't do it. It's yeah. been a while. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm anxious to get back, but I also really recognize that prisons are very, very big hot spots, like dangerous. We need to stay out. Yeah. Um, so the prison, then there's also this apartment ministry and you're, you're going to love this. I think I've told you about it before, um, David, but uh, it's called mission 98. It's a, it's a ministry basically. And it has trailer parks and apartment buildings all over the Metro area. And we use, apartments that have been anonymously donated as the church, the clothing bank, the food bank, the Sunday school, whatever people need, wow. whether they come to church or not. Mm. And so I've been on the roster um, for about four years at one apartment church where I was preaching once a month. 
But not only that, my kids and I would do a kids ministry, which is just fun parties once a month for anyone who has a birthday that month Hmm. and bring cake and pizza and presents and just musical instruments and have a rowdy time. So there's a lot of things happening creatively that are outside of church doors. Hmm. So you mentioned sacred space. What... What do you think makes it the sacred space? People are getting together with the intention of meeting God. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Don't you think? Does that sound right to you? I feel like, I mean, I didn't think of that very hard. It just felt like, yeah, if you're doing church outside of an apartment building or in an apartment or a Bible study at the prison or a homeless shelter, whatever. Yeah, I think that's I, what makes it sacred. I've definitely like, I've experienced those for sure. And, you know, like David talking about being like two pastors or having two congregations, I'm definitely like the pastor on our street and there have been sacred encounters or sacred spaces in my backyard or in my neighbor's living room. Um, and trying to think, you know, like what, what is it that makes those times sacred? You know, like, cause a space can be sacred and sometimes it's not, you know, like it, it can be the same space and you're like, ah, oh, this, this didn't feel like God's presence was necessarily here or in the same way anyway. Um, just kind of curious and wondering mm. that, like, is there, is there an intentionality on your, your part as you go into those spaces um, yeah, definitely. Yes. And, but, but I don't think, I mean, yesterday, so for instance, I was called to help somebody who was dealing with some postpartum extreme, not just depression, but more than that. And so I spent five hours in the waiting room of an ER waiting to get into the psych ward with somebody. Mm. Wow. That was a sacred space. Yeah. We talked and we talked. And then when we got into the room, I've never been in one of these psych ER rooms. It was kind of scary. They have nothing in the room and it's like almost padded. It's frightening. There's a security guard there. You're being video. And they said, you can come in because you're her pastor and you're with her. And we Mm. talked and just tried to, you know, do life together. That's a sacred space. So being five hours in an ER yesterday was a very sacred experience for me and her. You are in that moment, you are God incarnate really to to that individual you are god's presence to that i think of it as a shepherd i think of it as you are looking at the gorgeous pasture you being the person i'm talking to and it's outside of the flock and you think it's going to be safe and you think it's going to be better and it's so endearing to you and it's ah man you want that but you're not safe out there and let me be someone that can remind you that there are sheeps (laughs) sheeps <laughs> sheeps that love you and hear like i think of it more as a shepherd than people say oh you're an angel i do not like that i'm like no i'm just kind of like trying to be a shepherd it's like just somebody because i have so many shepherds i have tons yeah tons the ones that'll just go chase you down when you're out there you know yeah. and for me honestly the guys in the band are my biggest shepherds and they have had knock them out dragons with me where they say you're getting a little too comfortable <laughs> come on back Wow. Hmm. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, I love, I love that, um, that idea of sacred spaces and how like an ER can be a sacred space yeah. or, a, or, a, um, like your backyard can be a sacred space. Um, 
and and seeing those spaces as places in which God meets us is is so so powerful. Um, well, as we um, sort of wrap up here, because like I'm sure you got stuff to do. I <laughs> I don't I don't know what I you're. Got a pa- oh, you want to know what I'm doing? I'm packing up probably about a hundred until this shakes apart Kickstarter T-shirts today. Are you really? Wow. Yeah, nice. that's what I do. <laughs> oh, that's so rad. Yeah, so cool. Um, yeah, well, tell us uh, like where people can find out more about your work or um, or where they can find you online. Yeah, so for whatever reason, our bios aren't very long on Urban Sky. They wanted them really short and sweet. So you can go to urbansky.org, but it's a very tiny little bio about me. Um, your best bet if you want to talk is just email me at leonortill at gmail.com. And there are so many different, if you Google my name, there's so many podcasts. Some talk about faith, some talk about the band, some are just weird and funny. There's several podcasts, there's several interviews. Um, yeah, I like being connected with, um, not scared to have difficult conversations. A lot of people connect with me through Facebook. There's a Jeff the Girl Facebook. Yeah. You can connect with me <laughs> through that. That's my old nickname in the band. Um, and if you prefer homing pigeon, no. If you prefer snail mail, you can you know look for our band PO box that exists, and I still like to do real letters. Yeah, that's so great. Um, uh, one thing that I forgot to talk about, um, but just to um, just to bring back because you you talk so much about how you don't mind uh having hard conversations and also um just like stirring the pot a little bit when we first talked because you the the way we got connected (laughs) originally excited (laughs) is is that you well i just thought this was so um lovely and also hilarious um you are such an extrovert and right when the pandemic hit you were like hey um i this is really really hard for me and any other people who this is really hard for if you want to talk um uh private message me i'll send you my phone number and Mm -hmm. about a month in i was dying and i uh and i i kind of wrote you on a on a really bad day and i was like we're were you serious about that or was that a joke? And you were like, nope, here's my number. You free in half an hour. <laughs> and, and, um, we chatted and you were sort of, you, you were asking me about my, um, uh, sort my, my faith walk, but also like, uh, my, uh, things that you could be praying about. And I was like, well, um, in all honesty, if, if we're being real, um, I'm, having a hard time with the church, with God, with, um, with my own, um, like issues with evangelical Christianity, but also just with like my own belief at all. And, um, and you, you said, can we, can we talk again? And you called me back, uh, a while later and you said, um, some of this has to do with the election, doesn't it? And I was like, well, it's, it, it definitely does some, like, uh, I was, I, you know, I have, yep. I had trouble with, um, 81% of white evangelical Christians supporting Donald Trump. I did. Um, sure. and then, yeah. and then you were like, you know, don't you that, um, these issues of racism in America and like, um, 
like issues of hatred and things that the church has supported those aren't new, right? <laughs> and, and you just, you, I know what I told you. I you, have a little speech going here. <laughs> did you? Um, I didn't know if that was planned, but you, you just, you listed a bunch of things and you were like, you think that this is all new? Like God, um, God had, uh, was, was God when a whole bunch of shit's go, been going on in the church already. Right. Um, I said, I said, oh, now it's getting to be too much for you. Yeah. I said, now you're going to jump ship when it's starting to get too close to home. I said, oh. consider what it's been like for, and I wasn't mean, but I said, no, it was, it was like good. For a lot of people to even come to faith when their abusers were yeah. under the name of Jesus, you know, and that's the audacity. And, and I get it. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's so hard because a lot of people these days are like, oh, now I'm offended. It's like, what do you think it meant for people of color yeah. to come to love the name of the God of their oppressors, yeah. of their slave owners? Come on, like, this is not new, but I get, I get it. But I just kind of was like, you don't get a pass now. <laughs> like yeah. this, no, it's not. Jesus was Jesus then. And he's, he's bigger than that. Right. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. It, it sort of threw me for a loop then. I, I, and I, I it's it scary wasn't, to say it wasn't it's really scary to say on this podcast because no. I don't want to get hate mail, but at the same time, sometimes it feels like the honesty is it, it just it's hard to put into words, but I feel like I owe this honesty to the people that are feeling jaded right now because yeah. it's hard to see it with the kaleidoscope. It's hard I have to turn the picture a little and be like, I'm sorry you read an article in Relevant that really felt close to home and pissed you off, and now you want to give up your faith. Like, come on. We've always had the list of 10 things that are bad about the American church, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was, like, it It didn't, like, just, it wasn't a magic fix or anything, but that was a really, really good, helpful reframing for me in that moment. So I, I really genuinely appreciated that. And, um, I, I've never thought of, um, like in any of the conversations I've had with you, I never thought you sounded, um, controlling or like a bitch or any of the things that you were talking about. <laughs> I never, I never thought that you just like, there, there are certain things that need to be said very directly, especially mm. in um, the Christian America of the 21st century. And I, I yeah. felt like I, I think you have a gift at doing that very mm. um, gently, but directly. And um, I personally really appreciated it. So mm. you aren't the first person that's heard that. I think the first time I ever verbally said it was on bad Christian podcast Oh, and yeah. it came out of nowhere and I'm just going off and I'm like, oh boy, I just said like 10 minutes worth. And I was like, I guess I really do think that. Yeah, mm. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. And, um, I mean, I guess there's something, you know, um, you talk about, um, uh, revelation in terms of like Christianity, um, as a, uh, revealing or an apocalypse as a revealing. And I think, um, the past, decade has been sort of a revealing of the um, Christian church to a lot of people, especially um, white Christians, but it's it's good to acknowledge 
uh, what's been there has been there for a very long time. And what we're seeing is just the tip of the iceberg. And so I think that was really helpful. It was for me anyway. Um, and, um, I mean, if, if you get hate mail about it, I'm sorry, but it, it, (laughs) it needed to be said. Um, I've become no stranger to hate mail this year, so I know I know how it can hurt. But just uh, just send all of your hate to I hate five iron frenzy dot com and we'll <laughs> pretend it doesn't exist. I love that you're a part of that Facebook group, and I um uh, first of all I love that it exists. It's hilarious, but also um I I love how the entire community on that page um has sort of this unspoken we like leonor the rest of y'all suck but <laughs> leonor's cool <laughs> i think that's funny i don't know you've you've sort of become like the mascot for well we'll we'll pretend to hate all yeah. of you but but we've got this one person this she's cool she's cool kind of weird <laughs> i think it's funny <sighs> well Thanks yeah. for being with us. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. We covered we covered a lot, right? We yeah. did. We did. Like I said, we come in with no plan and we just sort of see where the conversation goes. Um, if you're ever in if you're ever in Portland and wanna share with our church, you're always invited. Um I I don't you don't like that's not a that no, that sounds good. That's not a to. formal ask, but if <laughs> I you would love to, sure. uh, that, literally, literally anytime, I'd love to have you here. Um, I didn't talk this over with Josh, but screw you. Like that's, that's, that's right. what yep. <laughs> I, good. I make some decisions. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here. And for the uh, success podcast, I'm David and I'm Josh and we'll see you next time.